0: Hey everyone, this is Craig Finn from The Hold Steady. Um, We're reissuing our first two records, Almost Killed Me in Separation Sunday. Excited for them to come out, and in advance of that, I wanted to talk to some of the people involved in making those records. This is kind of an exercise in memory, um, remembering what happened, at least trying to remember what happened uh, during the making of those records, which was quite a while ago now. Um, I talked first, of course, to our guitar player, Tad Kubler, and. We talked in a hotel room in Chicago uh, right before we played Riot Fest the night before. And uh, it was pretty cool. I think um, his memories largely coincided with most of mine, and uh, we started to try to piece it together. Here's a conversation between me and Tad. We started the band and I don't know, maybe you remember better than I do. I, I, It's my impression that I think the first recording, the first almost killed me as two three-day sessions, six songs each, including mm. mixing, that we recorded Atomic, and I think the first one might have been more like a demo, like meaning I don't think we were making a record. We,
1: yeah, we didn't have, there wasn't any like,
0: deliberate purpose for it, or we didn't Just know what was going
1: to happen other than we, we had these songs, now we were going to go record them.
0: Yeah. We, we went into Atomic, and I, at that point, I had known, met those guys through Matt Henderson, and I'd gotten to know Dean. So we show, we go to Atomic, I can't remember, we were kind of coming from Lifter Puller, and we were coming from, we were kind of connected to this Les Savi Fav world, and mm-hmm. we are on French Kids Records, and we were involved, which I kind of think of as indie rock, and I think with the Hold Steady, we kind of started doing this more classic rock. When it time, came time to record, we started hanging out with those guys who were like definitely from the hardcore world. Yeah. And I think that that made um, some somehow affected it all. For instance, I, Dean used to call people Trevors, um, he would say kids were clever. And and if they were clever kids, they were a bunch of Trevors. And you'd be like, ah, we went to the party. It was a bunch of Trevors. We had to get out of there. And that made it into, um, I think most people are DJs. Uh, for one, they ain't that clever. Number two, it really sucks when you get stuck here with these Trevors. This was supposed to be a party. Um, so, uh, yeah, or Barford Blues. Bar yeah, yeah, yeah. Or,
1: or, or I feel like there was some stuff on... Um Knuckles too, or something like that. Maybe? Yeah,
0: maybe. Um, but we were kind of being influenced by them. We were hanging out. We were hanging out with Mark Ryan, who'd been in Super <laughs> Touch, and <laughs> we were going to Manitoba's, which was kind of a rogue's gallery. Yeah. And uh but w- I guess the thing about Almost Killed Me, you know, music aside, I-, I felt like for me, and I said this earlier, two thousand three, two thousand four, starting. After being in New York for a couple of years, it really started to feel like home, and it felt like we were meeting all these people, and and our social life had certainly become robust.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> and it was a whole new level. Like I feel like I went out a lot in Minneapolis, and you know, certainly did my fair share of partying there, but but New York was just like, it was. And it was constant. There were a lot of songs that we worked on, just like me playing your your telly, your Esquire, and Uh you're not plugged into anything, and you kind of pacing back and forth Mm -hmm. in your kitchens, sort of making up
0: lyrics. I guess the recording was so quick and pretty... Methodical meaning we didn't have tons of time so we we did it was it recorded over two weekends and fast and mixed this 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 will be a fact I just thought of this when you said fast
1: uh, and this will be a fact that not too many people care about but we did it it was all on tape there was no pro tools like we didn't use digital stuff on that right? yeah right it was all two inch they just had a, at atomic at the time there was just a two inch machine. And I think I think, and I don't want to segue yet, but Separation Sunday was the same way. They were both just tape. I or you maybe may be right. We may we might have combined both
0: for. Separation Sunday. mixed dumped it in for mixing. For mixing that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I don't the one memory I have of uh of recording almost killed me is that that you, uh, I think it was in must have been most people are d j s there's that solo at the end
1: that went on for yeah. a, uh, for a long time and
0: uh yeah. we, we at some point dean sent sent you in there and there it was late, and there'd been a lot of drinking and I just remember you playing that solo with just a completely blank look on your face like I didn't <laughs> know if you were totally sure you were there. <laughs> And Dean was like, "This is kind of incredible. Look at this." (laughs) Um, And but it just went on forever. Yeah, Uh,
1: I was. I mean, that'll happen sometimes. Even uh, like now, where in fact, Steve Selvage and I talk about this, where you kind of just get lost in what you're doing, and then all of a sudden, something will catch your eye, and it'll be like you realize all of a sudden you're drooling on your guitar, like you you don't, you're kind of not even conscious anymore, and it kind of pulls you back into it. Um, there. You know that record too was uh, almost killed me. Um, I was still playing that insanely loud amp, and I remember Matt one night. Dean wasn't there, and Matt was was tracking, and he put like a right ribbon mic in front of that thing, which are kind of delicate for air stuff. And I remember Dean came in the next morning and looked at. He's like, he didn't have that that close to that, did he? <laughs> like, like, he was like, oh my god.
0: There was a there was that bigger deli that was a, a, around the corner, which is still there. It's called Peas and Pickles, but uh,
1: we called it Prickly Peets. Well, not we? yeah.
0: uh, it didn't seem like really hardcore to call something Peas and Pickles, so right, they yeah. called it Prickly Peets. Yeah, like, "Yeah, go go, <laughs> just
1: grab something down at, at Prickly Peets."
0: There was this one thing that would happen for the first, at least, almost killed me for. Um, this episode. Sunday, remember we'd play, like. How many brews? And then hit the crowd with all y'all, So so many many brews! (laughs) Killer Parties is an evolution, but it was a song that we always, it just only really fits in the set as a last song, you know? And so we started playing it, and I'm sure when we started playing it, there were many times we played it that were not that momentous, you know? Um, But do you remember how it came together in the studio? You, we had the bass
1: line. I wasn't really doing anything on guitar. Mm -hmm. And I kept drinking more, and you kind of kept sending me back in there. Being, like, like, that was the one thing I do remember. It almost killed me. You were really... Like egging me on to go to try to do
0: crazier shit, you'd yeah, be like, yeah. "No, no, go it's like you got
1: it's got to be more." Yeah, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> That's what you kept I doing. sort
0: of heard that song as like a um, uh, sort of a more of a Manchester like yeah, uh, my Stone buddy Roses valentine. kind of like yeah. yeah. One thing I think we wanted about the whole or I was really interested in is that so much of indie rock and where we were coming from was kind of choreography in some way, like, I'll play my part and you'll play your part and you'll play your part and if we're lucky we'll all end at the same time, you know? But there's not like much communication. So I was kind of interested in a band that pushed and pulled a little more. And I'd seen Greg Dooley in um The Twilight Singers, is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, that band, a really good band that he had at one time, and they did a lot of like vamping, and he'd talk over. and Of course, he's really charming, and and I was like, I want to do that. I want like the band. I don't want to be like the guy introducing songs when it's all quiet. I want like the band to be kind of like vamping, and then I'd do a speech, and then we'll go up, and you know, and th- so that was something I was really interested in. We did that in killer parties. We would do that at the beginning of um, don't let me explode. We'd kind of like...
1: Bring it down in DJs. Get, yeah, yeah. bring it
0: down in DJs. There were these talking parts, which was something that, you know, I don't know that Lifter Puller would have been able to do, really. You know? I mean, it was like, we just play our parts. So I think it was kind of... It, in some ways, it was just becoming more ambitious musically.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and like wanting it to be sort of less rigid, yeah. right? Or just kind of less less defined. Like, you know what? It may, this this may fall apart totally, and it, and you know it might. But if it does, let's do it spectacularly. So so just you know see, let's try to pull this together. And I remember when we first started doing that, I was like, oh shit, you know, like how everybody's and every and I was half, not even half wasted, you know, yeah. like completely wasted. And but after we started doing it, and everybody really, it made us a way better band because everybody really started. Like, sort of watching, yeah, listening, watching and listening to each other, but also kind of being ready for
0: something that you know wasn't scripted. We saw the last waltz, and there was like a, that high level of musicianship meets with like a looseness mm-hmm. that was really attractive to me. Um, and that was exciting, <laughs> the thing, the you man, know, yeah, man, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I really and, and 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 just like it felt like. Like you could tell, Rick Danko didn't know the songs, but he was good enough that he, he could. Yeah, he could. But he wasn't gonna up. stop playing. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Was, <laughs> but it was so that was that was exciting. And there was this sort of high wire act with that that yeah. was thrilling. The second I was reading this, and the replacements have always been my favorite band, but I remembered reading around that an interview about when they started, and Westberg would say, "When I stopped singing, <laughs> play a guitar solo to Bob Stinson." I was like, "Well, that's a good way to go." Just like that could be kind of like what we did, and then third, we both just kind of come out of just the crazy golden years of um dillinger four on the midwestern songs of america album that lifter puller was good friends with and played a lot and that meant that like you were at a dillinger four show to have a good time whether they finish songs or not mm. that was no there was no promise on that yeah. so it was kind of like we're gonna if you kind of build it into your act so to speak like this is part of our thing. Mm-hmm. Then you can't really fuck up the show. Yeah, <laughs> and so that was kind of like something that I was thinking about a lot too. Like we're just gonna get wasted. My plan when we started the whole steady was, um, um, I was gonna drink because I'd seen, I think I'd seen the drive-by truckers do it. Yeah, uh, was I was gonna drive drink, drink wine. <laughs> and I tried it at one rehearsal, like wine out of the bottle, and it was—I it was—became immediately obvious that that was not going to work. For one, it's bad on your voice, but number two, it was all over. Everything. Lots of stains. Yeah, <laughs> looks like I'd been in a like a murder. Yeah, some uh, sort
1: of like gladiator battle. There's so we stuff.
0: switched it up to um, to brews. The other thing—we're shotgunning Speaking bruise. of bruise Dude. it's shotgunning brews. The other thing was the beers we were drinking early on were Ballantine ales which were we were really into Ballantine ale which was they had them at the deli down the street from my apartment in boreham hill and they were covered with what appeared to be dirt and we always <laughs> joked like like not dust uh, like dirt, like mud, mud like dirt yeah, yeah like, like, like like they were always had mud on the tops and and we'd be like oh you got to bury them to make them good you know yeah so, yeah so then we like wipe them off and start drinking them and after enough time in New York, now I realize that was probably rat shit. shit. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it was not uh, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, but for some reason, we're really into
0: Valentine's.
1: Yeah.
0: Partying on Separation oh my Sunday had stepped up to again too, yeah. another level than it was the first record. Yeah. I think um, at <laughs> yes. least, if 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 not, and forgive me for saying this, if 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 not only for you, but I think in the rest of us had joined in.
1: Yeah, it was uh, not
0: just me like being like,
1: what's wrong? What? How come you guys aren't partying? It yeah. was like. Whoa, everyone, was, everyone
0: was everyone was partying on that um, yeah bobby and i went to that bar and i got bit by the dog yeah we talked about souths yeah. we used to souths. go Souths. Yeah. Which i have not been in uh souths <laughs> since making that record but um i remember it being a fantastic cheeseburger yeah. and also uh watching the game uh the football game um the vikings playoff game where randy moss uh like Scored a touchdown Then was like Waving his butt At the Packers fans And it was like <laughs> And I was going crazy I loved it Um But uh Joe Buck didn't they got to the part With the cattle And the creeping things Said I'm pretty sure We heard this one before
1: I remember coming up with a lot of stuff at home. It was Mm -hmm. the first time I'd ever, I think, like really played guitar and like actively like kind of woke up and been like, all right, I got to come up with some idea Mm -hmm. that we can then like go in and sort of start to work on or yeah, or or whatever, like for rehearsal. And uh, um, I remember very distinctly coming up with Cattle and the creeping things on this little. Uh, actually, it was Galen had like a, a Dan Electro guitar, and I played that a lot in the house because I didn't have an amp or anything, and it was pretty loud because there's fiberglass things. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting on that love seat. I was trying to be quiet till you know it was sort of two, and um I don't know how I. It was like the chords. I was like, my I've never even doesn't make any sense, but it sounded kind of cool, and that song came together so fast.
0: Lisa-
1: So I remember like kind of starting to come up with ideas and we had played a couple of times with Franz mm-hmm. because he, he we had him like host on the or he yeah. came and played on those two th- songs on Almost Killed Me and w- as we were working on stuff I thought like oh, we need there's like we should, something else should be happening. And it's like, we should get keys in here. You know, Franz works great. He comes in. He just, you know, plays. But I feel like, and I could be remembering this wrong. I feel like we kind of really had to lobby to get him to sort of become become part of it. Because he was doing so many things. Yeah. They had like World Inferno and and all the other projects he had going. And he was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm in time. And I'm like, listen, we're going to tour. And, you know, you can, it doesn't it's not going to be a lot of time it right won't be a big yeah yeah it won't be a big deal we're not really going to tour or be that active or anything we're just going to write songs maybe and do this record and then
0: yeah that i mean that's an important part cuz like franz was playing with us we'd play he'd come and bring his keyboard and we'd play it live if we we do like certain songs and mm-hmm. sweet pain and then um maybe we showed him another song or something or or we would do modesto or something and then at some point he was like, you know, all these, he said sort of like, all these songs could have piano parts. I don't think I understood that like, he could just play piano over, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it wasn't like super high concept. Like I thought, like, could this part, could this song have piano? And he was like, any song could have piano. Yeah, you know? yeah. I was thinking about Don't Let Me Explode. And if I remember right, now did you write that or did he write that?
1: I'm pretty sure Franz brought that
0: in so, almost solely. Because... I think, remember, I think he was like, guys, like we have so many songs in E and A. For oh guitar, yeah, yeah, Guitar player keys. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I need something in, in on a, the white keys. Yeah, yeah, like something white. that's not all weird yeah. chords. And so we're like, well, would you got anything? And he's like, you know, and and so uh, I think that's in B flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that was like like an early uh, mark on like you know you could do. Now uh, obviously the the breakdown in Stevie Nicks was a very much employing the piano. And I forgot that, and I don't know if we talked about this some incredibly late night or
1: whatever, but I was like, I want it to be like Layla, you know, where it's yeah, like yeah. everything dies and then the piano comes. In. I'm sure I was like, just like, oh, dude, shut up.
0: No, <laughs> you know, but that's like, a weird... I mean, well, I, there's this other thing that happened and almost killed me and certainly Separation Sunday. And Dean, when he would record it, he would say, this is such a bum out, meaning... We were embracing pianos and saxes and tones that weren't kind of with indie rock. And I got the feeling it was going to... P- At times, I thought this is going to piss people off. Did you feel like when we were making that record that like we had something that was going to be as received as well as it was? No way. I,
1: I mean... If I'm really gonna be totally honest, I don't remember making that record. Right, like I, right. There were there were like literally there were a handful of. I remember sitting in the control room while you did vocals for a multitude of casualties and um, and don't let me explode because mm-hmm. I remember the the that's what that can't go back to Dallas line. I was like, yeah. what did you say? And I was like, whoa.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I I can't say that. I don't know. I mean, I remember really liking it, but I can't say that I thought people were going to freak out about it.
1: it and it, I do remember definitely it like have sonically it really finally coming together. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I felt. Like this is oh, it sounds good. It sounds really good. Both just in terms of like the the instrumentation of everything coming together like that, and and the the dynamics of
0: it. Yeah, good. and having Franz there with us, you know, it's like like you know. Suddenly there's a guy who's like, you know what? A saw might sound cool there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, my oh. God, he's playing the saw yeah. and getting yeah. on creeping things. And and it's sort of opening up this palette that was bigger than, I think, the toolbox we'd used before, uh, so yeah, to speak. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And he, ha- he also, I think, just having a bro- sort of broader scope... in in terms of what he listened to and what he brought to it, but also the people, you know, we knew Peter Hess because he played and stuff like that, but I also feel like there were, he brought a lot to that in a lot of other ways too. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. There sort of, I mean, the one thing that when you look back like that I think was striking to some people, and there was the Catholicism angle, (laughs) and I wondered if that made you nervous me yeah
1: um it might have at the time I think
0: it made me nervous I mean I was writing it but I thought I thought people might be like, oh, like you. but I didn't I didn't pick up on
1: as much of it as I would now right you know after just either conversations or just knowing more about it like you know keep in mind I I didn't grow up Catholic and I didn't necessarily even grow up going to church. So almost what I like kind of, I don't think I, I necessarily picked up on it nearly as much as I, as I would now. So I don't think
0: it didn't freak me out in that way. Half of the stuff went over my head. I just didn't know. Sure, sure, sure. You know, Jesus is a weird thing for some people and, uh, uh, certainly a lot of rock and rollers. And, um, I, I was. It was very well received. I think it was. I think it was a different angle, and I also think a lot of latent Catholics were like, "Whoa, hey," you know, like people who'd grown up with it that drifted apart could relate in some way, or just at least understood the names and the yeah. the, the story, the phrases. The one
1: thing we talked about was the title, and I know we almost didn't call it Separation Sunday because, like, yeah, r- ridiculous. I know, like everybody has their own things we're like well everybody's what if they separation is one of the most misspelled words ever is that gonna is that gonna be
0: problematic I wanted to call it youth services and uh, and uh, and the reason I, I liked separation Sunday better like we came in we lo- one of the first days we were there was a Sunday and it was the, the, like it was a What's his name? I think it was Chris Carter, the guy who used to be on the Vikings. Said it's Separation Sunday. You know, some of the teams are going to go to the playoffs. So we're going to find out this Sunday, you know, who's really going to get there. And I was like, that was good. That's good. And but I remember being like, I won't be able to deal with it if I keep seeing it misspelled. Yeah. And it really surprisingly never has been an issue. And it certainly taught me how to play, spell separation really well. Yeah. But Dave yeah. Gardner, I remember being like, you're not calling this anything but Separation Sunday. And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> nice, <laughs> like, nice.
1: There's something that's very contemporary about Separation Sunday, almost more so I think than any other record we've done. We weren't going for anything necessarily sonically. I think like we like we may have been on some of the other ones, so it was, we kind of just did whatever, and I think that's sort of what makes it sound that way. But I don't know, I mean, how Resurrection really feels is... is a favorite. And I remember too, that one, that was the last song we mixed and we didn't we had to do that one at Atomic because we literally used the whole 30 days at at Gigantic yeah. and we didn't get that one done so we had to mix it there and I was convinced forever that I could tell it wasn't mixed on the same board, yeah. like the same console, which I, I, I'm so full of shit, it's yeah. not even funny. But, um, you know, so, so it, it kind of vexed me for a long time. And then when I heard it again after Dave remastered, I'm like, I can't tell where these are, you know, like, I don't know what I'm talking about.
0: Hey everyone, Craig here. Thanks for listening. You'll hear more from the other guys in the band over the coming weeks and some of the other people involved in the recordings. Um, Next week you're going to hear from Galen. Um, Galen came over to my house and we talked about it. The records are available today, Separation Sunday and Almost Killed Me, and uh, both of them on vinyl for the first time in a long time. They've been out of print for a long time, so check them out. I think they sound great. Thanks for listening. Stay positive.